Welcome to Born to Lead, the podcast that explores a man's journey to self-actualization. I am your host, LT Born, and on this podcast, me and my guests discuss childhood experiences, failures, relationships, traumas, and all the adversities they encounter while achieving the best versions of themselves. Um, professionally, um, I um, am, the, am the head of marketing and communications for Flow. So this month actually made six years that I've been doing this. Wow! And thankful for that. I, I, did, I don't, I don't know where the time went, um, but uh, I'm happy that, like, coming towards the end of my fifth year, that um, this is one of the products of of this, and giving um, more and more. Uh, local talented people um, who are trying to have positive influence on the community opportunities to have these conversations and to shine in whatever way um, that they can. Um, so that's a bit about me. And then also I've had the pleasure of working with um, young people for the past 10 years um, in different capacities as a mentor, um, youth um, director of student ministries for the church that I attend um, previously up until about two maybe yet about two years ago mm-hmm. uh, and then now just sort of focusing on some personal projects um, yeah. majoring in psychology uh, while doing all of this somehow wow. and uh, and uh, working on a book among other things so um, that's a bit about me for for now it's a bit but it's a lot yeah. at the same time <laughs> you know Darren how how what would you define as uh, a man? How, 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 how do you define a man? Uh, I, I think quite simply, um, I think we have tried to, uh, uh, you know, sort of attach different labels and, and identities to, to man. But I think very simply, a man is someone who and forgive me just by being frank with this, a man is someone who possesses a penis. And if you want to know if you're a man or not, <laughs> that is as simple as it gets for me. That is how you know you're a man. Yeah. Right? And so I wouldn't define it any other way, honestly. I think um, we have tried to do that, and generation after generation, we've um, associated different definitions um, right. with what a man is in manhood. But every man um, can affirm the fact that they are a man simply by that. And mm-hmm. I think we have to um, start there with that biological underpinning, because I think that's the way God designed it. And I think when we try to stray away from the way God designed things, is when we get into trouble. Right. But is there any trait you identify? Uh, yeah, for sure, um, I think. Uh, but. I don't. I don't know that I would so much separate um, a lot of it from. Uh, um, I think for generations we we've been trying to separate the feminine experience and 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 the and the masculine um, experience, um, but in a lot of ways, um, a lot of the characteristics uh, are very are very at the basis human, um, more than it is male or female, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, for instance, um, 
females who are associated with um, emotions, creativity, yeah. and so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. Up until about 10 years ago, um, your previous guest talked about how um, he was met with um, some obstacles when it came to choosing uh, a, 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 a line of study that was opposed to what men were accustomed yeah. to, right? Mm -hmm. So up until about 10 years ago, men, we only saw men embracing the arts and their creative side, right? It's not that they didn't have it, it just was repressed for many generations. Yes. And now you're realizing that the same capacities that a female had, which is to have emotion and emotional intelligence, um, and to be connected to their spirituality, to be connected to their feelings, to um, be connected to their creative side, men possess those same characteristics at a human level, yeah. right? So, but is there, if, if there's anything, I think, um, that is, I guess, distinct, um, to, to man, that one is a, is, gets a bit tricky um, mm -hmm. for me to, to, to zero down something that is specifically distinct to man apart from his physical makeup and the way God designed his physicality, right? right. So I think that is one of the main things that literally distinguishes us. When you walk outside, you know that this should be a male and this should be a female. Um, and that is the basis um, of of, uh, of how we identify with what is, who is a man and who is a woman. When we get into characteristics and saying, okay, this characteristic is more female, this characteristic is more male, we get into trouble and we yeah. start to classify and categorize people. And then now you have this gender war because... Um, you becoming a woman is you're being becoming a woman at the expense of manhood or you becoming a man is you becoming a man at the expense of womanhood and i don't think it's meant to be that way i think when god created man and woman he created both of them in his image and so there was an, a sense of equality there in a sense right so we both um are image bearers of god so to speak right. right and both of us have that and both of us were blessed with that when god said um I've made them in my image and in my likeness, right? And so I try to avoid making those distinctions as much as possible because I think it's those distinctions that have that have um, that have uh, uh, hurt the other um, the other gender mm -hmm. in some cases, uh, and and has had them repress a lot of these characteristics over time. Until now, we're actually seeing it in more and more men, and they're not being labeled for it in, in, in very violent ways. It sounds like it's, it's more so self-defined. Uh, like you can, you can define your own definition of your manhood, is, is, is what it sounds like. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll, if I'll go that far. Okay. I, um, um, I don't know if I'll go that far to, okay. to say that. No, right, that, so I think that's that's a bit of a stretch, also. Okay, yeah. okay, all right. So let's 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 dive in deeper. What is God or spirituality to you? To me, mm -hmm. um, I think that there are many. It's many things for me. Um, in in one sense, God is a father, and um, I think we're going to touch on that a bit. Um, we're going to expand on that a bit. So for me, God is a father, um, first and foremost. Um, he is my Lord um, and Savior, um, which means that if you understand 
the concept of what a lord is or someone who's lording over something um, that means he um, has rights over over everything so there's a verse that says the earth is the lord's the fullness thereof the world and everything that dwells in so he is the lord of everything essentially right which is why I struggle when people talk about sacred secular as if there's the world and then there's spirituality. Mm-hmm. I think if everything is God's, that means everything, in a sense, has some degree of his glory and sacredness in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he is, he is my Lord, yeah, right? And he is my Savior, right? He is the only person um, that um, can save me from my sins or um, what happened essentially what happened when men fell in the garden in the beginning um, so he's my savior um, he's my peace um, he's the only um, person that has the capacity to keep me sane uh-huh. uh, he is my counselor I think that's something we don't talk about enough yeah um, I totally agree and um, but he is a counselor and if and and only when you know the value of counsel mm-hmm. and 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 even more modern ways of saying it is therapy mm-hmm. and and such um, you understand the value of having the Lord as a counselor mm-hmm. um, uh, and 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 then he calls me friend and which is a different level of intimacy in a relationship when you can call someone friend wow right um, we think father and one of my my mentor father figures taught me this we think fatherhood is the highest le- or the way he said it to me is sonship is not the highest um, level of a relationship he says um, you start as a son essentially but if if if, if fatherhood is done well then the father and the son become very close friends to the point where they they share a level of intimacy that is um, beyond anything that we've seen before, and we see that in God and and Jesus's relationship throughout the Gospels and what have you. And so He calls me friend, and so I get to enjoy a friendship with Him and, and live that out every day, um, and, and explore different parts of that throughout my life and my journey with Him. So that's a few ways that I think I identify with God and with spirituality. Where, where did your relationship begin with, with God? Um, I think I started to develop an intentional um, relationship with God uh, in my what we could call senior year of high school. Um, mm-hmm. So about fourth, fifth form, um, there were a series of what I have a word I haven't heard used much lately, revivals. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were a series of revivals that, that were sweeping over South Caicos at the time um, that were coming through a few churches in particular. And um, and so you had traveling um, ministers and, and different persons at different capacities in the churches um, coming to, to, to South Caicos and just sharing their version of what we what I what we grew to understand was the gospel. So we heard the gospel, responded to it, and literally a group of friends and mine were sitting at the back of one of those services one night and said, "Hey, let's try this." And um, and that was as, as intentional as it got for me at that time and at that age. Well, what what prompted you? Well, how did you know it was the time? Uh, I don't think I thought about timing. I just think I I heard we heard something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that resonated with that, differently with, with both of you? I think, I don't know how it resonated with all of us. Mm-hmm. I think all of us just trusted that because we, we normally did things together. Mm-hmm. We were sitting together, we were walking home from school together. 
and we were doing a lot of things together already. So it's more like group think, you know, this concept called yeah. group think in yeah, psychology. Yeah. If, if you're a part of a group, and one person in the group says, hey, we're going to do this, yeah. then you take the thought of the entire group, yeah. right? So I think that's what happened there. Mm -hmm. Like one of us got excited and said, hey, let's do this. And then the three of us <laughs> went up yeah. to, the, to the altar and, um, and we committed our lives and we were figuring it out for mm -hmm. the most part um, along the way. And it, mm -hmm. it wasn't a simple thing to figure out. And I, I, and I think this is where some people fall off um, because in the same way we lack fathers in the home, we lack fathers in the church. And so you didn't have a lot of men fathering you into the faith or the, the way the Bible says it's discipling you um, at that time. Um, luckily, we had someone in the person of Bishop Fulford who in one vein was my math teacher, but by night he was, by night and by weekend, he um, was a spiritual leader and a pastor. And so we had the value of having um, this male figure in our school and in our community um, who uh, who took us on in those ways and it made all the difference mm. and um, and so yeah I think that's where it's and that was that was me. a form of mentorship for you early in your yeah, yeah. I um yeah. I think so so he um, he was the first one that uh, he was the first one that gave me my first um, uh, book or spiritual book or book that um that had spiritual references um uh, written you know by miles monroe who um was i guess one of the big is has impacted the world but one of the most powerful yeah. figures of faith for this entire caribbean region and yes. even as close to us as as the bahamas we have not seen another man like him in this entire region yep. right and it it and with that level of, of um, access to, to to knowledge and wisdom, the way we do, it, he shouldn't be the last one. Yeah. Right. But yeah. but yeah, he was a, a form of mentor. He handed me my first set of books. He handed me my first mic and gave me the first opportunity to deliver a sermon. He handed me my first opportunity to lead the youth choir. He handed yeah. me my first opportunity to say, hey, try these different math equations. They're a bit above your grade level. So he challenged me at a different level, and he was pulling me up the entire time. And so he, he immersed me into this, this world of the church, and, and, I, and, um, and I followed him. I followed him um, for a little while blindly, not necessarily knowing where this was going. Right. Um, but but it was good to have a male figure directing me along the straight and narrow um, and, as the Bible. And you can see how these things has benefited you in your personal life and career, mm -hmm. the, 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 the lessons and the, the way that he was pushing you in these areas. Yeah, for sure. You know, especially giving you the mic. I've heard you speak right. numerous of times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so thank, thank I, you, Pastor Fulton, for that. I wouldn't go back and listen to any of those messages. <laughs> I, I want to touch something. Um, you know, you, you talked about your your struggles. Mm -hmm. You know, what was the biggest uh, thing you had to overcome early in your Christian life? Early in my Christian life, um, I think like most of us, uh, is is peer peer related pressures. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to remain disciplined in something when the majority of the people around you are doing something completely contrary. Yeah. Um, especially at that age, and so, and so we we wrestled, and we weren't sure if 
you know, this was Christian or Christian enough, <laughs> or this was the right thing to do. And so there are some things we did well, and there are some things we didn't do well. There are mm -hmm. some things we tried to bring over mm. into the church that we probably shouldn't have brought over into the church. And there are some things we like, like, yo, let's do some Christian rap. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, but I don't even think that at that time. We we just particularly love rap. We, we, we wanted God, but we also loved raps until we brought the rap over and said, listen, somehow this is going to have to work <laughs> with our faith. And, um, and it just is what it is, right? Yeah. So it's only later on you um, you sort of grow out of certain things, mm -hmm. but I think there were very significant peer-related pressures um, very early on. And then as you grew up and became more self-aware and became more exposed um, uh, in different ways, uh, mm -hmm. I think the pressures, the pressures grew. Um, I think around, so at that time I was about, what, 15, 16, mm -hmm. um, by 17, 18, I was in college, that was a different environment. Yeah. I moved to Provo, that was a different environment, different mm -hmm. set of relationships, um, and, and, and its own set of challenges. Mm -hmm. And then and then you're thinking about career, you're thinking about um, um, what do I do with my life, Yeah. right? And you realize, well, I don't have a vision, mm. right? You don't, you don't even, you don't even, um, I didn't even know what a vision was at the time, mm. right? And you're like, how do I, how do you, how do you navigate this, yeah. right? Without yeah. information, how do you navigate this without wisdom? And so it wasn't so much anymore for me about a lack of faith as much. There was a significant lack of knowledge. There was a significant lack of experience. It was a significant lack of wisdom. And so I said to myself, at some point, you're going through an you went through an education system um, that gave you um, primarily miscellaneous information things. Mm -hmm. You you don't even you're not even sure if you use right. right? You, right. I'm sure we I didn't use ninety percent of the stuff I was taught in high school for the most part, right? Um, and that's being modest, probably right. more than that, yeah. right? but you realize these significant gaps in you, and then someone is asking you to make a decision about your life and about yeah. your future yeah. from that place, mm -hmm. right? Who lets a 17, 18-year-old make a decision about their life from, from, from that place, yeah. right? But, but so those types of pressures started to come early on, and I, was, I wasn't aware or did I challenge um, my, my spiritual leaders at the time um, to say this is something that you should be teaching me or what have you, but in essence, as as I grew later on, I realized that, that those were conversations I was supposed to be having. I was supposed to be learning about family life in the church. I was supposed to be learning about future planning right. in the church. I was supposed to be learning about wisdom. I was supposed to be learning about navigating relationships, right? And these are things that the Bible speaks to and in different ways, right? But for the most part, I sat in church um, for that first... Uh, so that was 2010, this is 2020. For that first five to seven years, you sat in church um, talking and largely about spiritual things mm -hmm. um, for the most part, but not teaching you how to live the, 90, the rest of your life, mm -hmm. right? right? And so I'm like, I have wisdom for 
quote-unquote spiritual things, but I have no wisdom for life. I have no wisdom for marriage, relationships, dating, um, work, career, vocation. I had no concept for these things, right? right? And so it set me on a different path. But, but for those first seven years, I struggled. I struggled significantly. I think the, the last three and a half years, particularly were the, were the most formative years of my life, and a lot of that came through personal research, finding the relationships that so, I needed. So when when did you, you were struggling, right? Mm-hmm. When did you start to now walk? Because now you're crawling and you're stumbling. <laughs> now when, when did the walk with God start? That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, right? when, you, when, you, when you started to feel more confident within yourself. The walk started, the walk started this year. The walks, I would say the walk probably started what? in January. What? I'd say so. Wow. And I'd say that because in a lot of ways, um, and there was a phrase I, I, I learned this year through one of the books that I read called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh-huh. And the phrase in the book says, you cannot um, be emotionally immature and spiritually mature. And so I was doing a lot of religious things but at, um, but at, but I was in growing up emotionally, mm. and so it's easy to be in one place physically and be in a, and you can be in a completely different place emotionally, and so I was I was stuck in a lot of the emotional traumas that I didn't even have the the man, the mindset the wisdom to um, to be to begin to to direct my energy towards and to deal with nor that I have right. the relationships around me in a community like this. Um, to support me along that path, right? So I've only amassed a lot of those relationships, a lot of that support, a lot of that wisdom within the last three years. And then it, and then I like to say that we have a two to three year learning curve. Mm-hmm. So while I was I was I was consuming the information for the last three years, only this year I think I've begun to apply that knowledge, right? right? So that's right. why I say this year I started walking. Because now I have an understanding. Now I know where to put certain things. Not, not, and so this has been the healthiest year for me. This wow. has been one of the most significant years for me. And, and, um. Hands flow summer session. And right, I've, I've been the most productive I've ever been at work. I've been, um, 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 my, my relationships look completely different to this day in the way that I do life and the way that my relationship with my walk with God looks completely different than it did 10 years ago. Now, Mr. Helio, um, coming from an author, like myself, (laughs) a part of writing a book Mm -hmm. is putting all of that out there. Mm -hmm. Do you you think writing your book brought you to this level? I, I think... In a way, it has because what 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 you realize you have to do is you have to meticulously go through every year of your life and realize that oh shoot this happened at one this happened yeah. at two this happened yeah. at three yeah. and a lot of what I call my core traumas happened between um, uh, those first t- ten years of my life right. And if I didn't think back to those periods of time, I would have missed a big portion of what was shaping my identity, what was shaping my character, what was shaping the person that I was becoming, right? You th- and, and Heinz, in, in a way, you think a lot of these things are just... Um, that, that you somehow you just arrived here or, or you do the things you do just because you do them. 
but everything that you see someone does has um, um, an underpinning that yeah. lies somewhere in their past, somewhere in their childhood, somewhere in their um, development or lack of development um, that brought them to the decisions that they made and brought them to the type of person that, that you know them as today, right? And so in a way, yeah, I've, um, um, writing things down for me, putting dates and times and locations and faces and persons mm -hmm. and words to these experiences, it, it, it shifted me um, because I realized uh, that God wanted to partner with me um, in, in, in the narrative that he had for my life, right? And, and, um, and, 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 and the Bible sums it up in one word. He calls it self-control, mm. right? So there's self-control and then there's self-leadership and self-awareness, right? I think those three things work in tandem yeah. um, to help us to walk out our faith, right? But a lot of people um, uh, just just think things happen by happenstance or, or that everything happens to them happens for a reason. These little cliches we attach to things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that happen... We invited them into our life, but that's yeah. not something we want to talk about. We invited them into our life, or there was an opening or something that allowed that thing to come through the it, way that it did. It, it reminds me of this quote, quote I read, we create our own devils. <laughs> in, in a way, or, or the things that happen in our life set us up for these devils to come into our yeah. lives, right? Yeah. And so there weren't a lot of social protections, domestic protections at different levels yeah. um, that should have been in place that allowed you to experiment with things um, for lack of having someone to train you, right? Mm -hmm. which, which speaks to the purpose of fathers. Fathers fathers are responsible for escorting their, their sons or their children rather um, from boyhood if we're speaking specifically about sons into manhood but for lack of having an escort um, there's a degree of self-initiation that takes place and that is a very dangerous place mm -hmm. and we're growing up in a community where the majority of boys and the majority of men that we have today are self-initiated yep. and they're underdeveloped yep yep darn You've had your walk with, you're walking with God now. There's something that I've always been interested in, and that is, how do you heal God? And everybody seems to have their weight, but how do you hear mm. the voice of God? I, God has more ways to speak than I think we have to listen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so... And I've heard that. And so... Um, and so there are many ways that I think I could say that I've heard God over the years, right? Mm -hmm. I've heard God through the voice of other men and other women mm -hmm. who came into my life in different seasons or at different times and said things that I essentially believe that God meant for me, but how right? Do you, how do you know? I think you know because it I um, what, what it if, resonates with something in you. But what right? if that, that, that something in you is a worldly desire? So, so that's that's where that's so that's a that's a dangerous thing, right? Yeah. I think if you're growing in your relationship with God, um, and and you're growing in what the Bible calls the fruits of the spirit, which, mm -hmm. um, are, are in a lot of ways, emotional characteristics, and you're intentionally growing in these veins: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I don't assume that my, um. 
impure desires are the ones that are that are speaking over these things right if i'm cultivating those areas of my life now um so that's not to say that someone who is full right you know living in sin um cannot mm. hear from god okay right I understand okay. because there were right. some moments that i was deep in sin that god's voice came through very clearly for for me yeah right and um and so and so I don't know if I, I'd attribute it to that, but I think I think I think you know, I think you know as an individual, um, by virtue of the relationship you had with God, just like over time, um, over time when you're developing any other relationship, you uh, you you start to identify verbal but also nonverbal ways. Um, that that person is speaking to you even without them saying something sometimes, right? right. And so I think the Bible, um, when you read the Bible and you read through the Bible, you see different ways God has spoken to his men and women and different ways that he has moved over time. And so, oh, you, and so you see these different themes. And so I don't think those themes have changed in a lot of ways. I think the applications have changed, how it looks in our modern day and time has changed. Right. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. And so I've looked at the ways that he's dealt with people who um, were uh, in poverty, who um, were fatherless. You know, he says he's a fatherless father to the fatherless. Right. Imagine that God said he's a father to the fatherless. So there's a way in a relationship and a leaning that he has towards fatherlessness. Um, and, and, and he spoke to people who were in that situation. And I right. get to see that in a very human way in the Bible with per persons um, um, like Moses and all of these different characters who God fathered um, along the way in their journey and spoke to them through different avenues. And whether that was bringing, um, in an instance, like Elisha, a man like Elijah into their life. Every, yes. every Elisha had an Elisha. Every, every Joshua had a Moses, right? Yes. Yes. And so those, th I think those things are very real for me. There are different men, um, like I said, over time that showed up for me and became God's voice, God's arms and God's, um, um, in my life. And, and, and God used them in those ways to speak to me and to care for me through them, right? Powerful. And so I don't think those themes have changed, right? Um, a lot of people attribute, um, you know, God speaking through them through nature and these different things yeah, yeah. and what have you. But uh, And I think, um, I think one of uh, the greatest impediments to our spiritual faith um, and, and to our spiritual maturity is, is hurry. Yeah, is busyness, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times, um, uh, God is speaking to us, and and we're not aware, right? Because we're moving too fast um, to even attune to um, to what He is saying, right. right? And it's so foreign for a lot of us um, to do that. Um, and because God identifies as a Father. And a significant portion of, of our community and our world identifies with fatherlessness. Mm -hmm. It's not easy for a lot of people to come into the faith because a lot of people are struggling um, to wipe the face of their fathers off of the face of God, mm -hmm. right? And so coming into the faith for them um, is a bit is a bit tricky um, because they have those experiences um, and because a lot of the connotations that they have about fatherhood and what fatherhood is are negative or are traumatic. And so coming into a faith and a body 
that identifies with a God who calls himself Father is not necessarily something a lot of people are yeah. running towards. Yeah. Especially right? if I had that. Especially if you had those experiences. Now, every week I post a, a question of the week on Facebook. And this week I ask my audience, how do you put God first in your life? Mm. Isha Parker said, maintain an internal dialogue and meditate. Mm. I had Deej Williams, by being intentional in my walk with him, mm. reassuring myself and his word daily. Miss mm. Cordell Campbell Forbes said, I do nothing without his leading. Mm. Jay Sattler, shout out Jay, by speaking truth to power when nobody else will. Mm. Okay. <laughs> George Georgette Williams. Miss Miss Jane. Oh, that's Miss Jane. Hey Miss Jane. <laughs> by praying for wisdom and discernment, by allowing God to order our steps and cultivating an intimacy with him. Lincoln Craig, and he lists steps, Lincoln Craig. First, knowing who he is. Second, knowing where you stand. Third, allowing him to take control. Fourth, reading his word. Fifth, live with them. Missy Yvette Cox, that's our teacher, mm -hmm. our past teacher. Mm -hmm. She said, I ask for his leading, direction, covering, protection in everything I do. I give him the credit and praise for all my accomplishments and reward and reward him for all he has done for me with my time, service, tithe, and offering. I follow as best as I can what his word says. I have two more to read off before we dive back into the discussion. This is from Lashonda Skippings. Living according to his word in total obedience and submission. Mm. I must admit, we say we're doing so but the deeper you study his word, the more you find that you need to bring your life into alignment. Mm. Darren, you spoke about this earlier. Right, right, it's right. an ongoing and ever-growing relationship with him. And shout out um, Shiva Wilson. Love you. <laughs> Shiva Lee. Appreciate you. By having a relationship with Jesus, praying for his guidance and following his instructions and will, even when I don't quite understand what he's doing. Mm. Darren, how do you put God first in your life? Uh, so it's a good question. Um, and I think someone, I think Ms. Cox spoke to, well, I think Shonda spoke to aligning your life to um, uh, his will and his word. And, and um, I think Ms. Cox spoke to attributing your time and your finances in different ways. I like to say that there's only one first. So mm -hmm. first is first. As if it's the first part of the day, um, that means before you touch a device, before um, you know you engage in a conversation or anything, um, what do you do first? What do you do with that first minute, that first second, that first hour of the day um, when you wake up? So for me, I like to sleep with my phone outside of the bedroom, right? Because I'm tempted to pick it up in the day, check my emails, check my messages. Um, and so when my phone goes into bedtime mode in the evening, for the most part, it stays in bedtime mode. And I like, I've had a practice um, where I slept with it 
um, outside of my room and charged it outside of my room, or at least didn't charge it next to my um, my uh, my my the the bureau table that that's next to to my bed. So it's not the first thing that I engage with, right? Because I, if, if I'm putting in first, that means I'm giving him the first part of my day or the first hour of my day, right? Um, so that's one way. Number two, in my finances, um, I don't touch my finances without paying um, a 10 uh, of my, my, my salary on a monthly basis um, and tithing that to the church. I think that's a way of putting God first. Um, I think money is one of those things that um, we've, We've idolized in a lot of ways in our culture, right. um, and so I think even if you don't believe in a, the traditional practice of tithing, what tithing helps you to do is discipline your heart towards money, yeah. right? Because you're saying this is not too much for God, right? right? And so even if you that. don't believe in the traditional aspects that. of it for whatever reason, it does discipline your heart towards money, mm -hmm. and a lot of us have different relationships towards money, and so I that's one of the ways that I help to keep myself humble in that vein towards God by giving him what I believe is due to him, right? Um, those are two of the, the most significant ways. And, and then primarily, um, I try to, to go um, into everything with prayer. Um, I I because that. I think if you don't if you don't pray about things first, that means you run the risk of taking the glory when the success happens as a result of it. But if I say them, but if I if I pray about it first, and it happens as a result or as a response to my prayer, that means God gets the glory for it, and it's not anything that I would have done through my own effort or um, to 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 say that I did that. Right. So right. prayer helps me in the same way that um, tithing helps me to keep my heart humble towards success so that when things happen, it's as a result of prayer and as a result of my faith and right. to God's glory as opposed to anything that I could do with my own intelligence or education or what have you that we think gets us to these places right. and, and, and they just don't have the capacity to sustain us, right? That's, that's a third way. And then fourthly, um, I think in the way that you choose your vocation, and this is something a lot of people don't talk about, right? A lot of us, are in, I don't think you could say you're putting God first in your career and your inner career um, that is detrimental to the environment in some way mm. or that is detrimental to humanity, mm. right? And if you're in a career in, in an industry, for instance, um, uh, uh, I don't know, say something, I, I don't want to name any specific industry to, to quote-unquote right. demonize anything, yeah. but say you're in an industry that is, um, or in a, in a career path that is destroying a particular environment, that is tearing down homes or, or tearing down um, areas where there's significant vegetation that is protecting the community. I don't believe if you're in a, um, because I believe God's, uh, God, God's will is about um, um, renewing the planet and sustaining yeah. um, all things in a, in a life-giving way. I don't think if we're in careers or in a line of work um, that is working against that, that we can say that we're putting um, God first, right? right? And right. so in my career, um, I don't have those temptations. I don't have those um, opportunities to... Uh, 
to to degrade my environment or to to degrade humanity in right. any way. There are careers and there are things that are going on in this country and in other parts mm -hmm. of the world that are very degrading to human beings, whether to women or to men. And just for lack of not calling them out here, um, we could we could re we could really just sort of put our minds there and think about careers that are just degrading to humanity. That a lot of us find. Um, entertaining or, or see yeah. as entertainment in right. some way, shape, or form. And it's actually right? having a negative impact on our or, culture. On your culture. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's degrading to the human being that bears God's image, right? right? And yeah. so, and so, I, if you, and so I think we, we ought to choose um, careers and fields mm -hmm. um, that are advancing humanity and, and uh, um, that are contributing to the flourishing of humanity and of the world. Um, because okay. I think that's what God had in mind um, when, he, when he talked about fruitfulness and multiplication mm -hmm. um, and the way that he spoke about the earth um, with, with such passion, awesome. right? Yeah. And the way he spoke about humanity with such passion before the fall. There was a period in the Bible before the fall um, where, where God called everything good, mm -hmm. right? And work was good, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so... And so I think those are four of the ways that I think I try to put God first daily. Luckily, I have those opportunities, and and they um they are the ways that I think I try to put Him first. Now, there seems to be an attack mm. on our young men. Mm. What is the biblical explanation for this? <laughs> uh A tough one. Yeah, um, because I think you know, and what you're attributing to is there's been significant um, stories in the Bible where um, there seems to literally have been an attack on what the Bible references the male seed, right, mm -hmm. and uh, and his significance, and and um, and and, and we've, because of those particular themes. Um, We've, it, it's become a very significant conversation, um, and then even in our culture, in a lot of ways, we we've also seen that in our generation, where there seems to be, quote unquote, an attack um, towards men. Um, I don't know that I've sat and thought about enough whether or not that the attack is more significant towards men and women. Um, lately, because I think in a lot of ways, from what I can see, um, both men and women are being attacked oh, when you in look very at, significant I, ways. I understand where you're coming right. from, but when you look at who's dying, right, right, it seems like we're, we are losing more men than women. Hmm. I, I think um, it's hard to attribute the word attack to it, um, while I agree with it, mm. um, I don't have enough to back it up. Okay. So I'll say that simply. Okay. Right. Okay. Understood. Um, but what I say is hard to attribute the word attack to it, right? Um, because if it, because if you're saying it's an attack, and we and we adopt that concept and say, okay, men are being attacked um, more significantly, can we look at it from the standpoint to say, okay, maybe women have the weapons to to actually fight back? Is that why they are? They seem to be above the curve. Mm. Um, are men lacking the skills that they need to right. attack back right. or to be on the offensive arm? Mm. Right. And I think if you approach it from that way, then um, maybe there's some room for that argument. Mm. Right. 
um, because I think, you know, historically, uh, you know, there's been a, a lot more put into women in terms of training from a domestic level to yeah. other levels. Um, um, uh, that, 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 and, and the message for men was um, figure it out. Right, we, we had a lot more freedom. They had a lot more discipline and training. That's true. Right, um, and then from a female standpoint, in a lot of ways, I don't think it's happening now. But previously, their argument was men had more opportunities um, yeah. than probably we did, and that is that is that is just outright true. Right, so that argument was relevant for that time. Is that argument still relevant for today? I don't think so. No. <laughs> I think women have come up. They've taken up space, yeah. and in a lot of ways, they, they've edged men out of the equation, yeah, right? <laughs> and so, um, to say that there's an attack, um, if we accept that, then what then what then do we need to give men in mm. terms of the tools yeah. um, and the skill set uh, to 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 Com fight back and yes. to combat yeah. the attack that is happening, mm -hmm. right? And so. Um, and so, yeah, so maybe that there is a case for that, and maybe that is true in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that's something we have to ask ourselves, why are we not fighting back? Love that. Now, now Darren, hypersexuality mm -hmm. has been, um, I, I believe, has been one of the cancers in the, the, the browns and black communities. Okay. Um, we've, we've seen the, the fatherless wounds that's come from it. Mm -hmm. As a man of God, how do you guard yourself from hypersexuality? Uh, I think um, in a lot of ways, you know, just outright, I've had to cut myself off of, in particular, like social media. Um, right. I think um, social media just gives you every opportunity to um, to see things that um, you not, don't necessarily need to be seeing and consume things um, that you don't necessarily need to be consuming and you're consuming them at such a large level and right. at such a fast pace um, that it has the tendency to become addictions mm. right um, and so I think this is a very the, you use the word hypersexuality and because um, because uh, this is a very sexually exposed generation and I am a yep. part of this generation um, right this this generation is um, uh, in a lot of ways, binging um, on pornographic figures through as basic as social media more and more um, than they even need to to go to a particular site to to take something in, right? right. And so, they're, they're we're, we're binging on these things more than we're binging yeah. on Netflix in a lot of cases, and even Netflix itself has become a hub for a lot yeah. of these things. So. Yeah. In a lot of ways, the content so, that I so allow fine. myself to, t to yeah. take in um, through social media, the content that I allow myself to take in um, from movies and media, the type of restrictions um, that I'm allowed to, to place on my phone to make sure that those things aren't coming my way, these are things that I'm in, these are ways that I'm intentionally um, safeguarding, uh, safeguarding myself. I don't have a Netflix account. I don't have, so I have, you don't have Netflix? I don't have a Netflix account. I don't have social media apps on my phone, and so the way I've I've had to discipline discipline myself is I only allow myself to indulge in social media when I'm on the computer, right? And so, for instance, because I'm doing these shows, I reactivated my my social media accounts for the first time, and I think about just about two years I've posted my first picture 
um, in about two years, I've had to, to, to discipline myself um, and wean myself off of a lot of things because any form of media consumption or, um, at that level has the capacity to become an addiction, right? And any addiction towards media is in a way an addiction is, is, is the underlining towards an addiction towards pornography or any other form, form of addiction, right? And so... That's powerful coming from a marketing executive. <laughs> that's, that's very powerful. I'll say that. And so I, 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 actually, I have obviously have to monitor it in different ways for work purposes and yeah. what have you. Um, but I, but I, but I try to discipline my 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 screen time, my phone use time, um, and then a lot. Like I said, a lot of the movies that we simply um, try to enjoy um, are coming up more and more with yeah. these different themes and different narratives um, that are being. I wish I can touch these things but we don't have enough time there's something i want to bring up but you know that i'll that, bring you back on that are just sort of being um impressed yes. on on young people um and and so um and so our generation i like to call them the disney general generation if you if you look at a lot of the ways our generation dates we date through disney channel like themes right you'll hear a lot of People from our generation, in particular, talking about the one, yeah, finding that's the, the one truth. person that and the yeah. other. That is a very Disney thing to say, yeah. right? You would not hear this generation saying that a lot, right? You'll hear our generation saying that. I don't know enough about the previous generation to know what their thing was, right? But I know for a lot of us who were a part of that big Disney Channel generation for the last um, two decades, I think that maybe ended towards. 2010, 2012, and before that, so the 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 early 90s into the early um, 2000s, that that 20 year period, that two decade period, we were inundated with a lot of Disney Channel themes, and so a lot of the ways we do relationships is through those themes, right? This generation is very much what I like to call the love and hip hop generation. They're the kings and queens, <laughs> right? And so they enter into relationship, um, particularly um, females. Um, talking about, oh, I'm a queen now, yeah. um, and because I'm a queen, you have to. There's a sense of entitlement that happens when you come into a relationship with with a lot of younger women because they say you have to do this, 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 and this for them because they're queens, right? <laughs> and then and, and 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 vice versa, yeah, you have this, a lot this, of these like this battle of egos, now. right? Yeah. It's a battle of egos, yeah. right? And then you have the kings, and so you got you got the queen on one side, the and then you got the, the king on side. one side. But both of them are stuck in their egos, and both of them are stuck into a sense of entitlement. Yep. And no one wants to serve the other. No one wants to serve the other person in love, right? And so, and so, and so, um, I think media is a very huge thing, and 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 the and 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 how a generation is shaped, yep. right? And I, I've, I've had the opportunity to mentor a lot of kids from this generation, and, and um, um, one of the, the, the girls I've had the opportunity to mentor, she will tell you she binge watches Love and Hip Hop. She is so invested um, in some, and this is this is her words. She is so invested in those relationships yeah. to the point that when they break up, they feel like they're going through a wow. breakup, and so they, they are they are. Um, <laughs> you know, they're vicariously living through these people wow. um, in some way, shape, or form. The same way our generation lived through the, um, for girls at that time, the Hannah Montanas, yeah. the 
um, 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 the Zoe 101s yeah. and all of this stuff, right? Um, for us, the the, the Zach and Coolies and the, the Drakes and Joshes, yeah. right? Yeah. These are where we got our identities from yeah. for lack of having um, the, the conversations we were needing to be had about sex and sexuality mm -hmm. in the home. And so we were raised by TV. Right, we were raised by by media in a yeah. lot of ways, either because the work took our parents out of the home, or the the parents in a lot of cases just didn't have the skill set, um, to, or or the or 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 whatever you want to call it, to have those conversations and to intentionally parent and move their children in um, towards um, a sense of mature adulthood, right? And so, for lack of those conversations, these things um, seeped in. Um, and they fathered a generation for lack, um, and, and our world is bearing um, the result of it, uh, and every mm -hmm. child wants to control their own destiny and be their own God, and so God is even edged out of the world as wow. a result of it, I, because we I've can answer it. our own questions. Google has edged out God, because we don't need um, um, to search for wisdom anymore. We could search <laughs> on a search engine, and so we think we have access to all the answers. We think we know everything. You can't tell That's this generation everything, right? That's and so we've edged God out, and faith, faith has become a fable. What is faith, right? Right. That is that is becoming a very real word um, in this generation, and because the, the the church in a lot of ways does not is not equipped to respond to it, a generation is being failed, and it's succumbing to culture, yeah. and so and so you have more and more um, people being accepting of their demons because culture said it's okay. Powerful, <laughs> that, that, that powerful. I tell you what, Boy City was going to air with some fire. <laughs> I tell you what, we come for this. Listen, Darren, I, I just want to uh, thank you uh, for, for stopping by and, and, and giving my audience so much. I, people are definitely going to be taking out notepads for this discussion. <laughs> and I, and I, I think we need to do this again in the near yeah. future. You know, but I love to close out with the... Uh, with, uh, um, off the topic question. Okay. <laughs> Can I come on board to you if you don't get this question? I probably missed it. I was watching the yeah, episode. Every guest has, has to answer an off the wall question. That right. question, my question to you is, and it comes in, in three parts. Okay. Okay. What's the most important thing you've learned in your life? Mm -hmm. What was your life like before learning it? What was your life like after learning it? Mm. That's my final question to you. I think the most important thing I've learned in life today is that um, love should be the measure of our maturity, growing in love. And to, to speak in the context of this episode, um, what is supposed to define Christians and believers is the way that they love. That's how Jesus said, you will know them by their love. And so a lot of believers and a lot of people say that they're loving people or they're, they're loving people. But you cannot say you're a loving person and you're selective about who you love. Right. Right. You just can not simply say it. Right. Right. And so learning to love and learning to love things that we don't agree with, things that we don't like, things that um, um, that challenges us, things that are difficult, things that we even hate in some instances, learning to love those things, I think, um, for me has been a very big lesson because I struggle from a severe sense of pettiness. <laughs> right, and, and and a lot of this pettiness can become prejudice. But one of the ways one of um, my students helped me to define it is that pettiness is the feeling 
um, that we have that we need to be the ones to teach a person a lesson, right? right? right. And so we really had, we had a big conversation about it last week. And so I struggle, I struggle significantly petty. with pettiness, yeah. right? Because um, I I felt like if something happened, I had to be the one to teach you the lesson. And sometimes that is not a very loving thing, yeah. right? Um, you need to learn the lesson, but do I need to be the one to, to teach, teach you? Right. And and does it need to be taught in this way, right? right? And so I've had to slow, I've allowed God to slow me down to find more loving ways um, to respond to things and to become a more loving person, right? Um, because that's important for me. And so, like you said, my life before that, I was borderline petty, um, yeah. you know. <laughs> I was borderline petty. Um, I showed up in my relationships like that um, in a lot of ways, uh, and uh, and it hurt a lot of the relationships that I had in a lot of ways, um, in ways that could have been avoided. Um, and then since that, adopting this mindset of becoming a loving person and 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 learning new ways to love people and learning to love people where they are mm. um, and not from where you want them, them to, to be, be yeah right and so different things like that has helped me to slow things down and in essence um if god is love and we're not growing in love then can we really say that we're godly right and so those thoughts hit me every day and and so for me, the, the biggest lesson and the one that I have written on my wall is let love be the measure of maturity. Close it right Yeah. <laughs> Darren. Hallelujah. Audience, you've heard Darren. Hallelujah. One of the most powerful individuals oh, I've encountered. Thank you for being a guest on Born to Lead. It's our final episode and it's been a been a great journey yeah, just to say I'm also very proud of you and you know the way that you've helped to bring different men towards the forefront over this past season um, in a way that I think Turks and Caicos needs to see more men right. having intelligent conversations and I commented this upon um, um, on one of your your social media posts recently um, just to say that I think these examples are important yeah. um, in, a, in a society where a lot of men and a lot of the conversations men are having are around the typical things, yeah, sports, yeah, sex, yeah. drugs, yeah. cars, to, you know, to, and, and because the majority of men are doing that, they think, okay, that's what manhood is, yeah. right? Yeah. And so conversation by conversation, you are changing the narrative, and it's been powerful to watch and humbling to see, and I'm so proud of you for it. I appreciate you, bro. Yeah. I really do. Thank you so much for having me, you and the Flow team. Thank you so much for reaching out to me.